The Vape Passion Show, episode 46. This week we're going to talk about the Surgeon General's report slamming electronic cigarettes, a petition to get the Surgeon General fired, a new product called the Invisivape, Philip Morris submitting a PMTA application for their new IQOS vape product, the FDA moving their product registration deadline from December 31st to June of next year, tips for preventing package theft this holiday season, and how to make the DIY e-juice recipe Addie's Yogurt. Alright, let's get into it. Alright, welcome back. So this is episode 46 and I'm recording this on Sunday, December 11th. Uh, if you're planning on buying any vape, vape products soon and you want to support this show, consider going to vapepassion.com vendors and buying from one of those links. I have 52 vendors listed there and uh, it won't cost you anything extra, but I will get a small commission, so that helps me out. And so I'm going to start out with a beer pairing this week. This time I have Chocolate Orange Stout. This is from uh, Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, this is their seasonal. It's a seasonal beer, and it's from their Nitro series, which I'm a really big fan of right now. Their Nitro series is just really good. This is a 6% alcohol. Yeah, not a lot to say about it. Chocolate and orange stout. You know, the, that's that's the explanation there. So according to the Pairwise app, it should pair well with uh, desserts like chocolate or banana cream pies, graham crackers, churros, eclairs, chocolate cake, chocolate chip cookies, and bananas. And uh, oddly enough, I don't have any of those flavors, so I'm just going to do oatmeal cookies. Um, that, uh, that's just knee juice I have, and I just thought I'd pair it with it, so let's try it out. Ooh, that beer is uh, very interesting. Chocolate orange stout. You can definitely taste the orange. It kind of reminds me of like orange peel, maybe. That pairing actually seems to go pretty well together. Um, this is oatmeal. This is a, what is it? I love cookies, which is a pretty good e-juice. It's uh, from madhatteredejuice.com. So, hey, yeah, that, that beer pairing actually goes pretty well. Uh, on, I'm using the iStick 100 like always and uh, the Goon RDA on top. All right, so let's get into it. So the big story of the week is uh, that last week, the Surgeon General, Vivek Murthy, he released his report titled E-cigarette use among youth and young adults. So... The report starts with a statement from Sylvia Burwell, who's the United States Secretary of Health and Human Services, that says, This report confirms that the use of electronic cigarettes is growing rapidly among American youth and young adults. They also say that they know that e-cigs contain harmful ingredients that are dangerous to youth, and the report recommends that actions must be taken at the federal, state, and local levels to protect young people from using electronic cigarettes. The report also says that e-cigs are now the most commonly used form of tobacco among youth in the United States. Now first, as we all know, it's not tobacco, uh, but that's how it's classified in the U.S. People here, big health organizations like the CDC and the American Lung Association calling electronic cigarettes tobacco, and then the general public immediately thinks of cigarettes. Uh, this is how the anti-vaping groups put the fear into the minds of people who don't know any better. Anyway, all of the claims in this report are the same old tired claims that we've been hearing for years. For example, that there are harmful chemicals in e-juice, there's a large increase in vaping among high schoolers, Tobacco companies are trying to recruit youth with flavors like chocolates and candy. Nicotine is addictive and could be a gateway to smoking cigarettes. Nicotine exposure can harm brain development. E-cigarette companies are using tobacco advertising tactics to persuade youth to vape. And ingestion of e-juice containing nicotine can cause acute toxicity and death. So, the Surgeon General and his team clearly failed to read or purposely left out some very important research on all of these topics. So let's go into all of these claims. First, let's talk about harmful ingredients in e-juice. So the report states that the aerosol from electronic cigarettes may include tobacco-specific nitrosamines, acrolein, formaldehyde, nicotyrene, acetaldehyde, glycidol, acetal, and diacetyl. They mention that current evidence is unclear on whether typical user dosages achieve levels as high as cigarettes. That's just untrue. 
For example, let's look at formaldehyde. The key point they left out is how much formaldehyde is produced. Uh, did you know that formaldehyde is in the everyday air that we breathe? It's everywhere, but it isn't considered dangerous in low doses. According to Dr. Farsalinos, you're probably exposed to more formaldehyde by staying home than you are by vaping. Uh, any studies that show dangerous levels of formaldehyde from vaping have all been proven wrong due to the researchers not using devices in realistic ways. Uh, basically, they, they burn the cotton. And for some of these other ingredients like acrolein and uh, diacetyl, a lot of e-juice companies are now removing that entirely from their e-juice, so it's becoming less and less of a problem. And actually in the UK, you're not allowed to use those ingredients, so in the UK you can't get it at all. But more companies around the world are switching, are moving away from those ingredients. And it is true that electronic cigarettes do contain constituents that may be risky over the long term, but we haven't seen a result of the potential dangers yet. All right, another one of their claims was the massive increase in vaping among high schoolers. They said 900% increase over the last five years, I think. First, I need to call out the fact that a lot of the research that supports this claim was research that didn't look at regular use of electronic cigarettes. The studies looked at anyone who has ever used an electronic cigarette, even if it was only once and never again. If someone experimented with an electronic cigarette one time at a party, they would be considered a user in these studies. There's actually research that shows that a large amount of never smokers who have been reported as vapors were experimenting and they were not regular users. Something else worth noting from this report is that they clearly state that smoking has markedly declined. Then they state concerns that there's a large increase in vaping. What they seem to fail to understand is that vaping is very likely a large part of the decline in smoking. We also know that vaping is much safer than cigarettes. The Royal College of Physicians study shows evidence that potential harm is less than 95% than that of smoking. That RCP report was hand-delivered to the Surgeon General by Greg Conley, by the way, yet the Surgeon General's team still ignored it. But most experts would agree that it would be much better that kids vape than to smoke. A lot of people say that electronic cigarettes should only be for smokers who are trying to quit, but what we often forget is that e-cigs might actually be a useful tool in preventing kids from smoking in the first place. All right, another one of their claims is about recruiting youth with candy flavors. So as far as flavors go, well, of course there are good flavors. We don't suddenly desire flavorless foods when we become adults. It's the flavors that appeal to all of us no matter what age you are. And what's concerning about this argument is that they are focusing only on youth, which is a very small segment of vapors, uh, and not on the millions of adults who are using electronic cigarettes to stay away from smoking. Okay, another one of their claims from this report was that nicotine exposure is harmful to developing minds. So as far as the damaging effects of nicotine on developing minds, there is research that appears to show this to be true, no matter the source of nicotine. I can't argue with that, at least not with what I know about it, but I do know that this is a claim that doesn't have a lot of specifics to support it. For one, all research was performed on animals rather than humans, and the research doesn't say exactly what kind of harm can be done, and in fact I've even seen research that shows that they don't even know how it causes damage. Also, there is no research showing how much damage might be caused. It can't be quantified. Uh, it might be true, but there is very poor evidence to support it. But let's say that it does cause developmental damage. We also have to consider that the majority of youth using electronic cigarettes are not using nicotine, and we have research that shows this. The BMJ Journal of Tobacco Control found that approximately only one in five high schoolers were actually using e-juice that had nicotine in it. And even if some are using nicotine, would it be better if they smoked instead? An extremely important aspect of electronic cigarettes is harm reduction, and the Surgeon General completely neglected that. Alright, another one of the Surgeon General's claims is that e-cigs are a gateway to smoking. So there is no evidence that vaping leads to smoking, but there is evidence su suggesting that it doesn't. Youth smoking rates are at an all-time low right now, and there is research that shows that it's unlikely for non-smokers to develop a nicotine habit because they're mainly experimenting. They're not using electronic cigarettes often enough to become addicted.
And also, like I mentioned earlier, a large amount of young people are using zero nicotine e-juice. There's no reason for them to become addicted and move to smoking. And on top of that, why would someone decide to move away from vaping flavors like creme brulee and strawberry cream and move to smoking, which tastes terrible, makes you feel terrible, and is extremely dangerous? It's not likely at all. All right, their claim of e-cig companies using big tobacco advertising tactics. So the report says, Themes in e-cigarette marketing, including sexual content and customer satisfaction, are parallel to themes and techniques that have been found to be appealing to youth and young adults in conventional cigarette advertising and promotion. Okay, so the thing is, this type of marketing isn't specific to tobacco advertising. Just about every industry uses sex and customer satisfaction to market their products. Why is it only an issue when electronic cigarette companies do it? Also, e-cig companies aren't advertising to kids, they're advertising to adults. But just like any other adult product, kids will occasionally see advertising for it. By comparing e-cigs to combustible cigarettes, anti-vaping organizations are more easily able to manipulate the media into believing that vaping and smoking are the same thing, which it definitely isn't. Alright, uh, ingestion of e-juice being deadly. So. E-juice does contain nicotine, and we know that nicotine in high concentrations is dangerous. But this is where the lines are getting blurred. E-juice usually has anywhere from 3 milligrams to 12 milligrams of nicotine, sometimes higher, but uh, not as common. Um, 12 milligram e-juice would equal to 1.2% nicotine. This is not pure nicotine. It's highly diluted. Absorbing this through the skin is not likely to cause harm. Now, if someone drank a full bottle of e-juice with nicotine in it, that could be dangerous, but that's why e-juice bottles have child safety caps. Also, Public Health England has stated that serious nicotine poisoning seems normally prevented by the fact that relatively low doses of nicotine cause nausea and vomiting, which stops users from further intake. And if you look at the American Association of Poison Control Centers data, you can see that reports of poisoning are actually pretty rare. And when compared to reports of other poisoning incidents, uh, it's very low. There was a report of a toddler drinking a bottle of e-juice and dying in 2014, so we know that it can be dangerous. But so can alcohol to a toddler, and so can a cleaning product. And that's why e-juice has child safety caps and why it's up to the parents to keep these bottles away from the kids' reach. Okay, so that covers the main things I wanted to talk about uh, in regards to that Surgeon General's report. I find it really interesting that the Surgeon General and his team continues to call electronic cigarettes a tobacco product for the sole reason that it contains nicotine, while completely failing to mention FDA-approved nicotine products like the patch and nicotine gum. Why aren't they warning people of the dangers of nicotine gum? It's because it would be dangerous to say something like that. For some reason, they're just on a crazy crusade against vaping. And like expected, the media is already running wild with this report without looking at opposing views and conflicting research. And it's scary because what if a smoker sees these things? A smoker would think that if vaping is just as bad as smoking, why switch? That's really dangerous. And that's why I think the Surgeon General report is doing more harm to public health than doing good. Overall, the big problem with this report is that they focused only on the potential harm of vaping rather than the benefits, mainly that it's a way for smokers to quit smoking and potentially save their lives. All right, and with all that said, there are people in the vape community who are now trying to get Vivek Murthy, the Surgeon General, fired. Stefan Didak of Not Blowing Smoke posted a thread on Reddit titled, Let's Get the U.S. Surgeon General Fired. So Vivek Murthy's term doesn't expire until the end of 2018, and he has stated that he intends to stay in his position during the Trump administration. So Stefan Didak is asking that Vapor sign a petition, which was created by the Americans for Tax Reform, uh, a conservative think tank here in the U.S., to request that the Trump administration fire the Surgeon General. You'll find that on ATR.org. All right, now let's talk new products. So uh, Freeze, formerly of the TVA podcast, created the InvisiVape as a way to hide vapor. Uh, the shape, it reminds me of a large CO2 cartridge, but it's plastic and hollow. Uh, the way it works is that you take a hit from your vaporizer and exhale forcefully through the InvisiVape. 
they say that 95% of the vapor will not come through the other end, and it also removes odor. They don't have any dimensions listed for it on the website, but it looks like the diameter is somewhere around 30 millimeters, and it stands as tall as your average unregulated box mod with a tank on it. I actually reached out to Invisivape on their Facebook page uh, about a week ago and still no comments, so um, I asked them for dimensions and I wanted to talk about it, but uh, they never got back to me, so I'm just telling you what I could find. Um, they say that it'll last for at least six months with heavy use, and you can get it for $19.99 or two of them for $35. So the Invisivape is actually very similar to the Smoke Buddy, which I talked about in a previous show. Uh, the Smoke Buddy was created for the purpose of dissipating smoke rather than vapor, and the guys on the Plumes of Hazard show tested the Smoke Buddy for a couple of weeks and found that because of the properties of vapor, it would get gunked up pretty quickly, and there was no way to clean it. So you'd have to buy a new one. Uh, the Smoke Buddy is only about $13, so it's not that big of a deal, but still something to consider. I don't know if the Invisivape is uh, designed differently so that it lasts longer. They say six months, um, which I think is probably a lot longer than the Smoke Buddy would last. I think the Plumes guys said maybe two weeks, so not long at all. So yeah, it's a... A neat product if you need to hide vapor. Alright, so now let's talk about Philip Morris submitting a PMTA application to the FDA. Philip Morris is now the first company to submit a pre-market tobacco product application, or PMTA, to the FDA to bring a new vaping product to the market after the August 8th market freeze. They aren't the first to submit a PMTA though. That goes to Swedish Match um, for their Snooze products. Uh, they Swedish Match, they submitted eight new products which were approved in early November. Um, but Philip Morris is the first to submit a vaping product. This PMTA is for their IQOS, which they're calling a heat not burn product. The IQOS is a device that heats real tobacco to about 500 degrees Fahrenheit, which is enough to vaporize it, but not burn it. Uh, the, the tobacco comes in pre-filled tubes, which look a lot like tobacco cigarettes. The IQOS is already being sold in other countries without claims of harm reduction. But if Philip Morris receives approval for their PMTA from the FDA, they will be the first company to legally claim that their product is less harmful than tobacco cigarettes in the United States. That would give them a huge competitive advantage in the tobacco industry. So the FDA, they have 60 days to accept the application for substantive review and one year to make a final decision. The IQOS is probably not something most current vapors would be interested in since it requires vaping traditional tobacco. But in my opinion, it is good news for smokers. Uh, having access to a reduced risk product, one that's probably as close to possible as smoking, could save millions of lives. It's too bad that it has to come from a big tobacco company, but you know, whatever saves people's lives is what's important. And if Philip Morris receives approval for this, it could be also be good news for the vaping industry, but that's a big maybe. Uh, some people are saying that the IQOS could potentially be used as a substantial equivalent product for uh, vape companies to refer to when submitting their own PEMTAs, but the IQS works very differently because it doesn't use e-juice, so I don't know if the FDA would accept that. It's also being rumored that the Philip Morris application is more than two million pages long, so that goes to show how much work is involved uh, for these applications and how difficult it will be for small vape companies to, to complete. All right, a really quick mention here for Enjoy's products. So they're having a sale right now, 40% off their artist collection, eJuice. Um, that's only $9.99 for a bottle. So I've mentioned before that I'm a really big fan of Enjoy's artist collection, eJuices. They're, they're really complex flavors that you won't find anywhere else, uh, but they're really sweet too. So if you don't like extremely sweet e-juice, you probably won't like these, but they're having this big sale right now. Uh, normally the, the e-juice costs about $23 for a 30 ml bottle, 
and you can get them for $9.99 now, so that's a really big discount. So if you've been wanting to try their flavors, now's a good time to buy. Just go to enjoy.com. You don't need to use a promo code. All right, now I want to talk about an announcement from the FDA. So the FDA released a statement last week about postponing the deadline to register tobacco products. They've announced that they're moving the original product registration deadline of December 31st, 2016 to June 30th, 2017 for all products that were manufactured and sold on the market before August 8th. So that's good news for anyone rushing to get their products registered right now. Also in this FDA announcement is this confusing statement which says, Companies which begin manufacturing newly regulated tobacco products in a domestic establishment on or after the August 8th effective date of the deeming rule must register and list immediately with the FDA. So people have misinterpreted this as meaning that the freeze on bringing new products after August 8th has been lifted. Technically, companies have always been allowed to create new products and register it with the FDA after August 8th, but you're not allowed to sell it without an approved uh, PMTA. So yes, technically products could come to the market, but in reality it's extremely difficult. Uh, nobody has yet submitted a PMTA aside from Philip Morris because the costs are just too high. Um, nor does anyone believe that the FDA will actually approve a PMTA, especially from small manufacturers that don't have a ton of money. So for any manufacturers out there considering bringing a new product to the market that wasn't already on sale before August 8th, don't. Uh, you can make it, but you can't sell it. It will be non-compliant and you would likely face penalties with the FDA. Also something to note is that any product created after the 8th must submit a PMTA immediately. They don't get the June 30th uh, 2017 extension. Alright, now let's talk about tips for preventing package theft. Um, so you probably already have packages rolling in for Christmas and you're likely to have lots more delivered in these last couple of weeks before the holiday. So this is the time of year when thieves cruise the neighborhood looking for packages left on doorsteps. I've already heard a lot of stories actually of theft in my neighborhood and on my neighborhood's Facebook page. I've even seen uh, some security cam footage being passed around. Um, it's really sad that it's something that we have to worry about, but it happens and all we can do is take precautionary measures to prevent it. So let's run through some of the tips that I've compiled here. Um, the first one here, track your packages. Most packages are left on the porch and don't require signature on delivery, and that's why you need to know when they're delivered. Uh, no matter which carrier is delivering your package, get a tracking number. You can also set up SMS alerts that go straight to your phone. So check the tracking information every day to see when the package is delivered. And when it is, tell someone at your home to grab it or ask a neighbor to hold it for you. All right, the next tip, ask your carrier to hold it for pickup. Um, FedEx and UPS, they both allow you to request that important items are held at their facility for in-person pickup. It's not the most convenient option, but it's one of the better options if you have something expensive coming. With USPS, you can also request a hold for all mail for up to 30 days. Um, it's free and something you should definitely use if you plan to be out of town. A package left on your step for longer than a day is at high risk of being stolen. All right, another tip here is to have it dropped off with a neighbor or behind the house. You wanna leave a clearly visible note for your carrier. It's not a sure thing that your carrier will see the note and follow the directions, but what have you got to lose? Uh, this is more likely to work with your mailman because you can leave a note in the mailbox where they, they will more easily see it. But other delivery services will follow directions too. Uh, consider leaving notes in several places if you have to. Alright, another tip, deliver it to your work location. If you can get mail delivered to your work address, do it. Uh, the carrier will bring it into the building and leave it inside with the front desk. This is probably the best way to prevent package theft. The next tip, require a signature. So if you can, require a signature for delivery from your carrier. Uh, it can be inconvenient if you're not at home to accept the package, but if it goes back with the carrier, you'll have the option of going to pick it up, um, or you can wait for delivery again the next day. Just realize though that too many missed deliveries will result in the package being sent back to the sender. I think it's three deliveries and then it's sent back. 
hack. All right, the next tip, set up a security camera. So if your security camera is clearly visible, or if you have a visible sign on your property mentioning that you have a security camera, it it's very likely to deter theft. Uh, many people use cheap dummy cameras to prevent theft. Uh, even a dummy camera might work, but obviously a real camera would be the best. And real cameras, they're really not all that expensive anymore these days. In a lot of cases, tracking information might claim that a package has been delivered uh, when it actually hasn't yet, um, or the, the package might have been left at the wrong address. So a security camera will actually let you see if a package has been delivered or if it has been stolen. And if it has been stolen, at least you might be able to turn the video over to the police and maybe they'll catch the thief. And my last tip here, get insurance. Many stores offer package insurance to protect you from a lost, stolen, or missing package. Uh, it, it costs a little bit more, but it's worth the cost for an expensive item. So there you go. The more secure you want your packages to be, the more inconvenient it is to receive them, but it's better than buying gifts and just handing them over to thieves. Um, my preferred method of delivery is to my office, at least for smaller packages. Um, it sucks lugging them home, especially because I take the bus, but at least I know that my stuff is safe. Okay, and now we're gonna do a little bit of DIY. Um, so this is Addie's yogurt. It's a strawberry kiwi Greek yogurt created by the popular DIYer Addy Tooney. I don't know his real name, but that's what he goes by. Um, this recipe was made famous by another popular DIYer, Fresh 03. Okay, so let's go ahead and make this. So I'll be using 25 milligram nicotine, which was broken down from a bottle of 100 milligram nicotine. I have my bottle of PG, Bavarian cream, blueberry extra, Greek yogurt, red touch strawberry, and kiwi. All right. Let's mix it up and vape it. Okay, here it is, all ready to go. So I have the iStick 100 watt TC here. Um, and on top I have the Velocity RDA and I'm it's set at 0.59 ohms, 50 watts, and uh, brand new cotton here. So let's go ahead and give this a try. They say this recipe is a shaken vape, so you don't need to let it steep. It should be ready to go as soon as you're done mixing it. Mm, it smells good. It smells like a good strawberry, like a fruity yogurt. Oh, it's different than I expected. It, uh, it is a fruity yogurt, but the yogurt actually comes out a lot more than I was expecting. Um, you, don't, you, get, you don't really get that yogurt smell when you just smell the e-juice itself, but it really comes out in the vape. And there's the kiwi and the strawberry. It does have some creaminess in there too. Now the blueberry extra, I'm not sure I taste, but obviously it's in there because I put it in there. So it's doing something. It's just not a, a really strong flavor. Sometimes with these e-juices, especially with new cotton. You don't always get the flavor right away until the cotton's broken in, and then all of a sudden it just kicks in. And, and really, it's, it's pretty good. I just wanna make sure that I am getting as much flavor as I should. I took it up to 73 watts, and I get a lot more flavor, actually. I can really taste the strawberry now. Maybe a little bit of blueberry, too. I'm very happy that I made this. It came out pretty good, and I'm glad I made a 30 ml of it, too. It's an 80 BG, 20 PG ratio, so has a lot of vapor. I bet it would be really good at 70 VG too. 70-30 ratio, maybe get a little, little bit more flavor out of it. That's a really good thing about DIYing too is that you can actually change the ratios around. You can still make that that base, that flavor base with a, like the Bavarian cream and all those other ingredients the same, but then you can change the VG-PG ratio and the nicotine ratio, so that's what I really like about DIY. If DIY from scratch isn't your thing, you can also buy Addy's Yogurt Concentrate from adoreeliquids.com. Um, 
sorry, adoreeliquid.com. Uh, they sell it for $16.95 for a 30 ml bottle of just the concentrate. So that's a 30 ml bottle of ready to mix flavor base. Um, all you need to do is add the VGPG and nicotine. And another really good thing about buying it from adoreeliquid.com is that 100% of all profits go to notblowingsmoke.org. So you are supporting advocacy if you do it that way. And like I mentioned, this is a, a shake and vape. So you can vape it right away and get good flavor, but I've heard that uh, steeping it for one to two weeks makes it even better. So um, you can vape it right away and then over time it'll get better. Okay, so that's all I have for this week. You'll find the show notes for this episode on vapepassion.com. Just do a search for episode 46. If you want to support the show, consider donating to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash vapepassion. You can follow me on Twitter at vapepassion. I'm also on Facebook if you want to leave me a comment or just chat. If you'd like to get notifications of new reviews or of this show, you can sign up to receive my weekly email on vapepassion.com. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, feel free to email me anytime at alex at vapepassion.com. All right, I'll see you next week.